What's worse than going out night fishing with a buddy and not catching anything? Being caught yourself of course by space elephants with carrot ears. That's exactly what happened in this week's encounter of the fourth kind, the Pascagoula abduction. It's such a crazy story we call in the help of Rob Christofferson of our strange skies to get to the bottom of it this week, on Hysteria 51. They say, I'm disturbed. From city to city an incredible hysterical panic spread. I think we're getting into a weird area here. Will you tell these fools I'm not crazy? Not crazy. hysteria. You can't handle the truth. Truth. Brain is gone. This is Hysteria 51. We're here. The truth is out there. It's alive. But you won't find it here. They're coming for you. Look, there comes one of them now. Welcome in Hysteria Nation to the podcast that's never seen an alien elephant. All of the elephants we've seen were naturalized. This is Hysteria 51. Thank you, Seabot. It was bad, but I felt compelled. <laughs> Broadcasting from the lower fourth dimension, otherwise known as Chicago, we're your hosts and lead ufologists. Oh, that's ufologists? Ufologists, sorry. You're Brent welcome. Hand and John Goforth. Now that I think about it, that was truly awful. You'll die first in the culling. <laughs> that third voice you're hearing is the show's head researcher and writer who doesn't research or write much, but does draw up ill-conceived plans to take over the world. He is the one and only Conspiracy Bot. I built Conspiracy Bot in my lab to produce a show. Instead, he wastes his time on crap like this. Uh, what is this map, Seabot? Well, when I do take over and start sweating down you meat sacks like the vermin you are, I need a plan of action. This is my well-thought-out and organized tactical map. See, Bob, this is one of those pull-down maps from, like, the third-grade classroom with random arrows and words written on it. Why is the word Death Skater, uh, was that Poland it scrawled across? I've decided to turn the entire Polish figure skating team into my personal cyborg entourage. If I don't like you, they'll do a triple Lutz of death. What is that? A triple Lutz that ends with them slicing your head off with their skate. Simple yet effective. How did you settle on the Polish figure skating team? My consultants said it was the best choice. Wait, you have consultants? Yup, two of them. Johnny Weir and Dick Cheney. <laughs> <laughs> what an unlikely pair. Right? Uh, right. How, did, how exactly did you settle on those two? Can you name a better duo to hire if you're looking for both fabulous figure skating and pure, unmitigated evil? Plus, Cheney's just like me. Just, just like you? Yeah, a robot. His meat sack body died ages ago. Didn't you know that? Uh, uh no, 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 had no idea. <laughs> You're all idiots. And on that note, Brent, I understand we have a guest today, a, a first timer, sort of, in the lower fourth. He did a small segment for us on our disclosure episode. Yeah, he, he, uh, wasn't, he wasn't live, right. he was just in it. Yeah, but, exactly. but a first timer as a guest. That's right, John. Tonight we are joined by Rob Christofferson, host of the excellent podcast, Our Strange Skies. Rob. Thank you so much for jumping on here with Woo, us. Welcome. <laughs> Thanks for having me on, guys. Well, you uh, get the bell of approval. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is awesome. It's a great honor. So thank you. <laughs> thank you. Now, we, we asked Rob, we said, what do you want to do? And he actually picked this this topic. Uh, is it just because you like saying the word Pascagoula? Is that it, it's it's fun it sounds like some weird like pasta dish so <laughs> i i really love it it's yeah pasta dish that has beans in it for some reason yeah, yeah. 
Oh, that just sounds gross. It's like a version of goulash. I don't want beans but in my pasta. Goulash has beans in it. And it's got noodles I in there. I don't even know if I eat goulash. Do I eat goulash? <laughs> I think it's like forced on you when you're a kid. But we had you goulash. Know. I actually enjoy it, but you know. There's a lot of weird shit you enjoy, though. Goulash and a side of uh, Vienna sausages, and I'd be, oh, I'd be a happy guy. So <laughs> Vienna sausages are disgusting. Brent drinks the juice from my That's don't. extra no, gross. No, that's a lie. My wife drinks the juice. I rinse my Vienna sausages. You get it right. Oh. No, no. <laughs> yeah, he's not a savage. <laughs> <laughs> Damn right. Pork get chop it. sandwiches. <laughs> so, Rob... Rob, you have a podcast that also deals in the world of the weird. For our uninitiated listeners, can you tell us a little bit about it? Sure. So the Our Strange Skies podcast uh, is a podcast about the UFO phenomenon and all these weird sightings and stories from uh, the United States mostly and uh We've uh, we've covered a lot of stuff. We've covered Roswell. We've covered uh, the 1947 wave and and had a bunch of interviews and stuff like that. So uh, if you're really digging UFOs, come on over to my podcast. Get a little more of that. Hell yes. We high, It comes with the Hysteria 51 seal of approval. Actually, I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, the fact that he doesn't like it, Rob, actually makes it more appealing, I would think. Yeah. And it's, it's probably a better show. That's true. Yeah, it, I would agree with that. I'm probably getting too close to the truth, so you know, <laughs> gotta gotta put the man down. That's gotta right. put the man down. So we're talking the Pascagoula abduction tonight. This is a fantastic story of a close encounter of the fourth kind, an actual abduction. So this, if you're looking at the Heineck scale. Uh, J. Allen Heineck scale. This is a fourth kind. Does it also involve mashed potato mountains? Always, if I'm involved. Okay. So that's just the way it goes. <laughs> you know, and the reason this one kind of sticks in a lot of people's minds, polygraphs were passed. The aliens were unlike others that we hear about so many times. They were their own kind of thing. Uh, there were corroborating witnesses that, that saw the lights. Speaking of Heineck, even J. Allen Heineck himself in- investigated this story and went on record saying that he believed the men thought they were telling the truth. Wait, which, depending on your perspective, I suppose that adds either more or less credence to the story. Jay Allen Hynek is, is a, an all right guy. I don't know where that shade's coming from, John. It's coming from me. Listen, he's our UFO father. Don't slander the man. That's right. He's the granddaddy in here. So, And and so as far as abduction stories go, this one is up there on importance and also believability. And I think that's why so many people still, you know, books are still being written. Calvin, one of the people in, involved, is doing a book tour right now signing autographs one of the uh, people involved the other one hobbs uh, no <laughs> right uh meaning if you don't believe that they were taken by aliens the men seem to be telling the truth in this you know it, it's a believable story so the short and the sweet of it is on the evening of october 11th in 1973 two shipyard co-workers they were buddies hold on but 1973 and that matters rob maybe you can touch on that that year had the most ufo sightings uh at least in the states i don't know if this is in the states or world since the 40s the wave in the 40s um so they started again yeah this uh this was kind of a uh the first big ufo flap since uh uh project blue book ended so uh, and what it came to be known as is the year of the humanoids, because there were so many humanoid sightings uh, from about September 
till uh, late November, early December of this of 1973. So it was a really fun year. A lot of people saw a lot of weird stuff. Really fun year for us. Maybe not for those people as much. No. <laughs> yeah. no. yeah. And that's the big distinction here is, is the humanoid sightings is we're not just seeing people aren't just seeing the ships and things, these lights and things. They're saying that they're seeing entities that distinguishes this whole flap, as we as we said, from a lot of other things. Two shipyard co-workers, they were buddies, a 42-year-old at the time, Charles Hickson, and 19-year-old at the time, Calvin Parker. They went out fishing. They go off on a pier off the west bank of the Pascagoula River in Mississippi. This is southern Mississippi. This is southern Mississippi. They hear a whirling, whizzing sound at about 9 p.m. And that's interesting because so many of the the sightings and things that, that people see are silent. And this one, they actually said that they heard it. Well, you said it was a whizzing sound. I mean, if I'm out fishing, I'm generally having a few beers. <laughs> a lot of whizzing is going <laughs> yeah, on. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of whizzing is going on. <laughs> Damn it, we should have had the guys from Fish Nerds on here just to talk about <laughs> it. <laughs> they see these two flashing blue lights moving towards them fast. They said it was kind of an oval shape. Think of a football, they said, is coming at them. It's about 30 to 40 feet across and 8 to 10 feet high, roughly. Parker and Hicks claim that they became conscious but paralyzed while three creatures, humanoids as we were talking, took them aboard the the object or the craft and subjected them to an examination before Wait, releasing them back to the shores about 20 minutes later. We keep saying humanoid, but didn't somebody like compare these to alien elephants or something? Well, that comes in later when we describe them. Um, elephant is their skin, but yeah, yeah. So humanoid is in they were, you know, they had arms and legs and six feet tall and Bi- bipedal not, leg as in a stump <laughs> but we'll get into that yeah while we are stopped here is where i take issue with this story i catch but never release well not alive at least so i call bs <laughs> that's, that's, that is the difference i guess between you and you know space elephants <laughs> <laughs> so the men contacted the air force the police and eventually ufo investigators and this story thrust alien abduction into the national consciousness like we said this whole again day. yeah i mean it's a hell of a story and it gets stranger from there that's just the 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 short and the sweet of it john you know you don't seem to love this story as much as i and, and rob do I love space elephants. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, but there's like other things involved in this description. It's not just elephants. There's a lot of like weird features to these creatures, you man. Got, you got to understand, John will get one thing in his mind, and that's all that matters. Oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> See, he gets it. He gets my disgust I am. I am simply translating simple simple uh for the folks at home oh. i am i am their proxy here <laughs> so the story does get stranger we're going to go into the the actual details of these aliens and and, and things like that but first we're going to head to break get ready for that and the aftermath when we come back on hysteria 51 oh boy i went to break john i'm already doing a great job <laughs> Hola, David. Me amo Brent. Bonjour, uh, Brent. Je m'appelle David. You didn't do Spanish. I thought if we were going to do this together, we'd do the same language. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that's uh, that's on brand for us. I, that, I I just thought romance languages yeah. was the key. Everything I say is romantic, and that is thanks to Rosetta Stone. <laughs> you guys, we, we've been 
touting these things forever. We love Rosetta Stone and we actually are users. David, you've really been using it even for longer than I. What's your experience been like? Oh, it's been great. The thing is, uh, you really get to learn how to speak and think in that language with it. So it's very high on pronunciation too. So <laughs> you can, you know, learn how to speak. And you know, our show is all about proper pronunciation. <laughs> in that pronunciation. Yeah, that's right. But it's, it, they design it for long-term retention, you know, it, and yeah. uh, if you don't get the pronunciation right, you, you say it until you do. And then, you know, that, that just seeps into your head. Well, and that's why, you know, this has been trusted by experts for 30 years and, there's over 25 different languages that you can learn and people, millions and millions of users use it because like you said, it does seep in and you're using it with, you know, you get speech recognition and mm-hmm. it, it hears you. You get to use like the built-in true accent features that gives you this pronunciation, which is super convenient and you can do it at your own time. And I don't know if you can know this, but I'm all about value and you get a one-time purchase, 25 languages. If I learned all 25 languages, I'd be so confused. Or really cool. <laughs> I have to go in and out. But you'd be real marketable. But literally, though, this is something that we use, and we have both of us have given the seal of approval because we want to do this long term, and uh, it's something that uh, it works, you know. And we don't yeah. we don't do long term um, stuff like this, and this is this is the one that we've chosen, and we love it. So, all you guys got to do don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now, as we've told you a thousand times, and it's always now, right now. Get now. started. For Larry, limited time, his Air 51 listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. How much? 50%. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your unnatural life. Wow. Redeem, redeem, redeem. How do they do it? Rashate, you're oh. 50% off. <laughs> Rashate. <laughs> redeem it. 50% off rosettastone.com slash today. Do it today. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when Brent and I heard that for a limited time, all Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, we thought, man, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. Brent is trying to plan right now and says that it works like a charm from Chicago to Nashville as he makes his big old move. Mint Mobile is working for him. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. And you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. So ditch the overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash hysteria. That's mintmobile, M-I-N-T-M-O-B-I-L-E dot com slash hysteria, H-Y-S-T-E-R-I-A. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash hysteria. $45 upfront payment required. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. (laughs) 
Have you calmed down? <laughs> I don't. You know what? I'm I'm calm. I'm just I'm a lot like your parents. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> Who's yelling? I'm not yelling. <laughs> I'll give you something to cry about. <laughs> Let's break this down. What do they say happened to the these gentlemen? What what was the abduction actually like? So basically, what happens is this opening on the craft. It just he he described it kind of like a sliding glass door. It came open, and these three beings come out. Now, and when they, they say they come out, they floated out. Oh, yeah. They're floating about two to three feet off the ground, uh, approaching these guys. They're scared to death. Uh, and if you uh, if you happen to read uh, Charles Hickson's book on it, uh, UFO Contact at Pascagoula, the dude is dead terrified. He thinks he's going to die the entire time that they're going through this. Yeah, but, he went into shock pretty much. Yeah. And they actually said, and we'll, we'll talk about this later, but they, the, the police said that they were actually expecting him to have a nervous breakdown, like a yeah. mental breakdown. He was that shocked when they were interviewing him. He later. did. Just it was right as this thing was happening. Uh, is that what happened? <laughs> I think that's, that is how it happens, usually. Yeah, right. right? <laughs> so, yeah, these, these three humanoids, they're, they're five to six feet, around six feet tall. And he said, now this is where this comes in, John's, John's point. He said that they seemed robotic, but they were covered with a wrinkled gray skin that reminded him of the skin that you would see like on an elephant. So that's where the elephant comes in. And they had what looked like two legs that were fused together into kind of like a stump, but they never used them because they always floated. They were stiff. We all float down here. here. Uh, Yeah. Now, here's the big thing, too, that that sets them apart. They had three protrusions like carrots that came out where their nose and their ears would be, but they had no eyes. No ears other than those protrusions. the snowman. And a small slit for a mouth. And, uh. <laughs> was it made of lumps of charcoal? <laughs> <laughs> and they had lobster claws for hand. I knew it. Crab people. <laughs> crab people. <laughs> crab people. Takes like crab. Talk like people. You remember that from South Park? I do. I do. Oh, man. So, yeah. So, what happens then, John? Well, of course, they're unable to move. Because that's how these things go. So a magnetic force, quote unquote, pulled them towards the object. And that's when Parker, the younger of the two, the the guy that we're talking about, he passes out, he said. Well, I mean, when you've had that many beers while you're fishing. Now, did they say they were drinking? We just did an episode. Prove they weren't. Prove they were. I said it first. See what I deal with, Rob. I I, I do, and uh, I'm gonna be the th- I'm gonna be the third, the tiebreaker here. They weren't drinking. There it is, done. Yep. See. All right. So, Rob, what happened then? So they're they're brought into the ship, and uh, at first we kind of lose track of Calvin. He's off to a different section, and then Charles is brought into this one really small kind of room. And it's really brightly lit. He can kind of see a screen in front of him. But what happens is this eye, what he describes as like an eye. It's like a really, it's a round ball comes out of a wall. Like a a globe. Yeah, basically. And it has like some weird swirling stuff in the inside of it. And it, comes toward him and uh he he guesses that it's scanning him it goes up and down his entire body making a few different uh passes and then it goes back into the wall and this is the older guy the younger guy is still passed out right 
Right. Yeah. So he was, he's the only one that remembered what actually happened when they were on the ship. You ever see the movie Solar Babies? From the eighties. <laughs> <laughs> now that's going back, but it was. Is this the one where they had like these weird metal marbles? No, no, that was Starman. Oh, was that uh, no. Solar Babies? They had this alien comes. Its name was Bodai, and it was this round, swirling, colored entity that that I don't know why, but when they were talking, when they described it, and I was reading about it, it made me think of the movie Solar Babies and, and the the weird little alien in it. The reason as the thing that scanned. The guy. The reason I clarified the age, old versus young, the younger guy, Calvin, watched a couple interviews with him of of late, like within the last year. Yeah. And he magically now remembers what happened inside the ship. Well, they magically, they can do, you know, they put people Post-hypnotic through. regression. Post-hypnotic <laughs> regression. That's right. Charles Hickson had always remembered. Yeah, no, know. no. He, he had the same story. Right, right, right. Yeah. But uh, I'm just saying Calvin now is giving interviews right. and wrote a book about what happened in the ship, whereas kind of the... And and maybe you can clear this up for us, Rob, but but the kind of the story for years and years and years was Calvin's off in hiding. He's not talking about this. Um, the other one is the one that wrote the book and, and remembered everything. Yeah, he Calvin went silent for about 20 years. Mm-hmm. And then in 1993, he came forward with his portion of the story. You know, we're we're, we're keeping an anniversary here, I guess, but. Uh, he came forward with his portion saying that basically what happened was uh, this one creature led him into this room and another different kind of being that I think he calls like a female came in, mm-hmm. injected him in a couple different spots. One, I think, in like the shoulder or something like that. And then the other uh, a little you know, south of the border, shall we say? Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I believe there was some kind of communication there. It's a little shaky that but uh uh and then after that they just bring them back out. Yeah, they both had very different experiences when they were on there. Like you I would much rather have the uh solar baby eyeball uh scan me than be injected by female uh whatever. Well, you you want you want alien human hybrids cuz that's how, that's you, how get you get them. alien human that hybrids. Is, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but there's no alien human hybrids in this story. That's there's true. none of that. That's true. That you know of. <laughs> well, you know, uh, if I get if I get Calvin Parker on the phone tomorrow, I'm going to get to the bottom of it. There you go. That's there's right. a, there's an orphanage in Vermont yeah. with this kid going this human form. It's more like <laughs> Delaware because no one goes to Delaware. <laughs> <laughs> I find this human form restrictive. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so this goes on for about 20 minutes, and then they're floated back to the pier. So Charles Hickson notices that that Calvin is still out of it passed out drunk yeah exactly and he notices that the the light closes up on the ship and takes off boom they're gone there they sit boom it's gone they hear the zipping sound it's gone they jump in their vehicle they drive to a store and they sit talking for the better part of an hour like 45 minutes trying to decide what to do that's actually an interesting thing because you put yourself into that situation and that happens do you call someone? Do you tell someone? Do you just decide that you're you're not telling anyone? You know, because you you got to know that when you come forward with this, ridicule is going to come into it. Um, there's there's actually kind of an interesting feature of the car too, is that um, one of the windows, I think it's the dry, uh, the passenger side front window, is actually shattered, and there are kind of pieces on the inside, so they don't know how that happened. You know. Right. I don't think they were drinking and, you know, throwing rocks. So. Right, right, right. Yeah. 
But um, also, uh, Charles Hickson, he actually did get a message in his head right before the craft departed, and it said, uh, we are peaceful, we meant no harm. Right, yeah, like, like everything's okay, don't be upset about this. Like, he, like he got a text, only it came in. Yeah, okay. telepathy. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, like, uh, to think about, like, if the men in black were involved in this situation, I've come to think of, like, the men in black as, like, an internet survey. They're going out to find out how your uh, UFO experience was, you know? <laughs> right? You know, can, we, we can t- you just push one of these buttons, sad face or happy face? And, right. <laughs> you know, you, you, we talk about that, but we have no idea. If, if you're capable of doing these things, you are far beyond us with technology. So to think that they couldn't project a thought into our mind is is oh, if I this agree. was true i agree if it's true you're 100 yeah. so they decide what they're going to do they call keesler air force base they call them up and say hey we were just abducted and they are literally told them sorry project blue book ended about four years ago we don't investigate this shit anymore go away <laughs> so they're just like well shit so they go to the jackson county sheriff's office around 11 o'clock that night and sheriff fred diamond met with them and he he doubted what they said happened, literally happened, but he did say that they seemed so upset that he put them in an interrogation room or an interview room. He was going to talk with them. I watched a, uh, I watched an interview with a, many of the dispatchers and other police and members of the sheriff's department mm-hmm. from that evening, and they all said the same thing. They weren't really commenting on the validity of the story itself, but they all said the same thing, that these guys did come in very, very, very scared frightened and like it, it, it was certainly did not feel like uh, a put on a show or right. anything like that and they thought that they would catch him if there was they put him in this interrogation room they tell the story well the interrogation room is wired for sound so the the sheriff's like you, i'm gonna excuse myself they go out and they're like all right let's see what they come up with how they they put the story together and all they did was like Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. You know, I can't believe this happened and talked about, you know, normal things as if it really had happened, not knowing supposedly that they were they were being recorded. So and he thought they would, you know, plan what to say. And he also noted this is what I talked about. They were both very upset. Rob, like you're saying, or John, like you were saying, they, they, they were disheveled. They were upset. And Parker was close to a mental breakdown. They felt so they they get the story as you do, and then they they release them. I mean, it's not exactly. Well, they didn't. I mean, they didn't they commit any do. crimes, right? You yeah. know, they were just taking the story down. Well, if you inject me with your alien goo, you know, I might want to. Well, no, write a the, report. the the two people at the police station. That's because they hadn't been drinking and driving. No. <laughs> well, no, actually. Technically, back then, it wasn't a crime. They just, they just drive you home. just frowned upon. <laughs> yeah. No, they wouldn't drive you home. They'd be like, listen, just take it easy. You're yeah. fine. <laughs> keep it under 50. Right. Yeah. Slow down if you're going to be doing this much drinking. All yeah. right? And can we keep it to beer? Put the hard alcohol away. Right. <laughs> so they return to work the next day. They're just trying to go about their business, keep everything. You know, they try to move on with a symbol of normalcy. We took some aspirin, work off that yeah. hangover. But- mm-hmm. It leaks from the police department in some way. The media finds out. Uh, and actually, the entire interrogation tape was leaked to the media. That's that's some horse shit right there. You know, you think when you go to the police, you have a, a, at least a semblance of privacy, and that is just not the case. You know, Calvin said in, in a more recent interview, he said he believed that Charles was the one leaking everything. I've heard something similar, but I I don't know. It's It's tough to really say. 
I, you know, Hickson blamed Fred Diamond, you know, from the start, and Fred Diamond didn't know how it got out. But maybe there's a possibility that he did it, you know, did it. I'm I'm not going to close myself off to that idea. But whether he did or didn't, I mean, the, certainly, certainly the overall thought process was that Hickson wanted to be out there talking about this. Yeah, he went forward where Calvin hid out. And for Calvin did yeah. not. Right. Yeah. yeah. They left town actually for a while to get away from this. Calvin did. He stayed with family and, and he ran from this. Hickson was asked to take a polygraph test and he did take a polygraph test and he passed. Yeah, passed. Now, this has been put up. You know, <laughs> one of our favorite people, uh, which we'll talk about in the future, Mr. Class. Ugh. <laughs> exactly. He degrades the validity of the polygraph test, which polygraphs are suspect anyway, but he says that the guy that did it wasn't a, a good polygraph tester and he should do it again. And Hickson was like, go fuck yourself. <laughs> don't you I think don't that like, so here's the problem with polygraphs. Uh, it, it, it doesn't, this doesn't really relate to this story because he passed it. Polygraphs are one of those things where if someone passes, everyone goes, ah, they're not that reliable. And someone fails, they go, see? Right, right. Mm -hmm. And that's one of those things where no matter how you look Robot. at it. <laughs> do, do you not enjoy our discussion of polygraph, Seabot? I have a polygraph machine. Come here and take it. That's just a needle. <laughs> Hold on. Let me get it ready. Uh, I apologize, Rob. So yeah. turn it off. <laughs> All right. Polygraphs are no longer admissible in court, so that is something to think about. But you know, well, and polygraphs really only attest to the fact that whoever is taking it and passing it believes what he believes. It's right. It's it's not a measure it's of your objective truth, truth, not truth. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So I think it's time we're going to go back to break. But when we come back. The daddy or granddaddy uh, of ufology, <laughs> ufology. Uh, Heineck's going to come into this story. We're going to talk class and a bunch of other people. We come back on Hysteria 51. My truth is that they were dead drunk. That's my truth. I don't believe that for one second. Uh, so we're back. On the shores of the mighty Mississippi. I'm not saying it makes it less true because they were drunk. No, Rob is saying you're an idiot, and I agree with him. Well, I, mean, I don't want to say that specifically. You you just texted to me. Oh, <laughs> <Damn> it. <laughs> dude, that was confidential. <laughs> hey, it's all it's all open on this show. We're like we're like the uh, Jackson County Police. We just let everything leak. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> So enter into this story, Mr. J. Allen Hynek. Hynek was interested in the case, and he investigated it. Now, if you're not familiar with him, he actually worked with Project Blue Book. And why might people be familiar with him right now, John? Well, he also worked with the Lannisters. <laughs> As the, the little finger, you're right. Now, what's what's that reference? What's the Game thing? of Thrones? No, but what's what's the show? What's what's the you're burying the lead here? What's Game of Thrones? The new show that he... Project Blue Book. Project you just Blue... said it. He... No, I said he worked with Project Blue Book, the real Project Blue Book. <laughs> I'm not talking about the fucking TV show. 
<laughs> but the TV show is about the project. Yes, it is. There is a, a TV show called I'm Project so Blue Book. I'm so confused. I need a drink. There's a TV show called Project Blue Book, and Jay Allen Hynek is the lead character, and he's played by the guy who played Littlefinger on Game of Thrones. John was the need his Wheaties this morning. Him and uh, another investigator, James Harder of the Aerial Phenomena Research Organization, they interviewed both of these guys. And Harder attempted to hypnotize them and concluded that Hickson and Parker experienced an extraterrestrial phenomena. Now, that is a quote from him. Look deep into my eyes. Now, Heineck oh, yeah. believed that they had a very real frightening experience, even if uh, he couldn't explain what it was. So he didn't go as far, Rob, as saying that it was uh, extraterrestrial uh, like Harder no, did. No, Jay, Jay Heine's not going to go that far, man. He's, no. He's, he's going to play a conservative Harder's all for that extraterrestrial hypothesis. He's just like seeing aliens everywhere. Aliens, aliens, aliens. It turns out in his report, he said that not only uh, were they abducted by aliens, but that they would also bark like a dog on command. (laughs) That that hypnosis, man. Light as a feather, stiff as a board. No, that's not hypnosis, I don't think, right? (laughs) That is not hypnosis. Uh, Yeah, but he said he truly believed that they believed what they were saying. And that's that's a big thing coming from from Heineck. Now, this is, like we said, about four years after the quote unquote, the government had stopped investigating UFOs. And I don't believe that they ever. So do you believe that they stopped at all ever? I actually don't know. I think that they have continued. That's like saying when a tip wrapped up with uh what's his name i always forget his name luis elizondo uh, luis elizondo that like the government just stopped yeah. looking rob you put any any uh, truth into them ever stopping no I, I i don't think so and and the fascinating thing about this case as it relates to jail and heineck is that um he maintained contacts at Wright Patterson Air Force Base. He literally walked into the doors after investigating this case and said, you need to start investigating this UFO wave that's going on right now. And then they just flat out uh, shut him down. Now, there could be lots of reasons for that, you know, and there's that's another episode. There's lots of speculation, <laughs> but he was someone that they had turned to to put the ufo thing to bed and he didn't really deliver that because he was more the yeah something is going on and i think that is what brought him out of favor with the u.s government because that's not that wasn't their talking point they were looking for uh at least you know with project blue book which was you know facing to the the nation so to speak speaking of talking though the, the men started to talk more openly about the incident hickson appeared on talk shows he gave lectures interviews and in 83 he authored a self-published book uh ufo contact at pascagoula and he also claimed additional encounters with aliens in 74 talking about the alleged that they were peaceful see again. this is where people lose me all right i am i you guys know, if you've listened to the show for a while now, I tend to be a little skeptical on some of these stories. <laughs> a little. Um, <laughs> I do believe, I'm, I believe they believe some on some of the stories. I've always said about Bob Lazar, I believe he believes what he's saying. That's an interesting uh, statement. I. Mm. Um, That's I, like a lie detector test in itself. Exactly, right. exactly. I. I because personally, I don't think aliens have, have, have come to Earth yet. I believe in aliens. I don't think they've been here. But I believe that they believe. But when people have an experience and then coincidentally two years later have another one, it's like lightning hitting the same person 63 times. <laughs> the head. 
<laughs> what was that from? Uh, Great Outdoors? Great Outdoors, yeah. Six times. 67 times. So yeah, I, they they actually have a name for that. Uh, they in the seventies uh, and up until the abduction phenomena, they called that the repeater problem. Yeah, it is a thing that people, when they are abducted, they are thought that they're brought in for a reason. And a lot of times, it's not just a one and done. Uh, you are implanted, you're injected, you're you're a study subject, things like or that. Or you're just when there you to carry tag, their babies. When you tag a dolphin, you don't tag it and release it and never look back into it. A lot of times, they'll they'll update the tag, they see where it's going. I mean, it's the same difference. Or you're there just to carry their babies. Slide them in, slide them in, let them bake now. Slide them in, slide them out, easy bake. Wow. Yes, easy bake. Wow. <laughs> what was her Listen, name? they're only carrying them for a short amount of time. Yeah, they don't gestate. They never even no. show. They never no, even they show. No, they're like there for less than two months yeah. and then they're taken out. Yeah, you would know that if you pay attention to the episodes that we actually do. <laughs> <laughs> I just said carry babies. I never gave a time period. <laughs> Parker, he did get into this too. Like we had talked about, I was talking about he he ran for this for a long time. Uh, he later attended UFO conventions and in 93 he started a company called UFO Investigations to produce television stories about UFOs. And he wrote the book, Pascagoula, The Closest Encounter, My Story. Sadly, we can't talk to Charles Hickson. He died of a heart attack at age 80 on September 9th of 2011. But uh, Parker's still out there, and he's doing still currently book signings and tours and things like that. So looking at this story, John, you seem to think that the books, tours, and stuff like that degrade. Do you put anything, to, any weight into that? Does that degrade it to you, Rob, when someone tries to tell their story? Do you think that that makes it not true, or does that just say that they, they're wanting to get their story out there? I think they're just really on trying to get their story out there most of the time. There are a few. There's obsessions to everyone. Um, yeah. I would say like one of the greatest UFO hoaxes of the last 30 years was Ed Walters and his crazy crap down in Gulf Breeze. But uh, we, we have this like belief that if someone tries to profit off their story, that automatically makes them suspect. I mean, you look at the uh, Johnson's in the Delphos ring, uh, case they won a prize from the national Enquirer for their story um there are instances where the national Enquirer was used in like a positive light there was a, a case in 1976 involving three women who were abducted in kentucky and they basically sold their exclusive rights to their story in order to be able to afford uh psychiatric help so right, right. Uh, there are you know some good uh that generally comes from that but uh honestly i don't see anything totally wrong with somebody trying to make a buck off their store just to clear up my points yes i have no problem with someone having an experience selling their tail telling their tail and then selling their tail and making money off that i don't think it takes away from its legitimacy the two points i would make are first I do think that stories where they haven't done that uh, inherently have more legitimacy in our own minds. I think we as humans interpret those stories as having more legitimacy, whether that be true or not. Our interpretation of them is that they have more like, oh, that guy didn't even try to make money off that. Right. Yeah. It's just human nature. You, right. You, human you nature. Immediately go that way. Yeah. Second, specifically, I in this case, I was talking about Parker because for 20, for, he has said so many times, I didn't want any of this. I didn't want to be in the public. 
guy. I don't want to be a part of any of this. And then he shows up for conventions, writes a book, and does 50 interviews. You, like, so you're like, saying someone can't change their mind. I th- I, but I also think that the reason that uh, Calvin Parker did that was also kind of to keep uh, Charlie's legacy going in a way. Because if you look at when... Well, he started uh, doing Calvin, it way before Charlie died, though. Well, well, well in 93, yes. And, and, and in... Uh, you know, founding that group, yes, but realistically, he didn't really come out and and tell his side of the story and like and in book form until after Charlie died. His book didn't and come you're out. Right, until- the book didn't. I just don't think that you can have it both ways. I don't think you can say I shun the spotlight and then go crave the spotlight. And then mm. uh, the other side of it is Hickson, who the biggest challenge there is his story. Uh, as we see this happen with a lot of these things. It evolved over the years, and it got, now, it will got say, more in, incredulous. Um, Parker's story stayed the same. Correct. Yes, I agree with that. Yeah. And Hickson did, um, it did change somewhat over the years. Now, is that, there's a couple ways you can look at that. As you get older and you look into something that happened to you, your your appreciation, your thoughts, your, your outlook on a thing changes. Also, Sometimes, and I've told this story too, when you're in a, a something that happens, you know, I, I was in a bad wreck and I had amnesia and over the years, I will remember pieces of that day. Now, am I changing the story or am I adding to it? Yes, because I'm remembering more. Now, I'm not saying that that's happened and this is using hypnotic regression and stuff, but I won't rule out that some things can happen. Though a lot of these stories, they change the fundamentals of it, and that is something completely different. And the, and, the, and it, it always it, it always goes to being less mundane, not more mundane. It always right, it right. always sizzles up the story. It does, yeah, you know, it, it never gets uh, it never gets more boring. <laughs> right. Sometimes you know you're 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 exactly right. You know so, and there is skepticism. In this case, you know, I, you know, we're going to get a boo hiss, I know, but aviation journalist and UFO skeptic Philip Class, we've talked about him before. He is a mondo turd. I mean, he is just, this guy would shit on a fucking birthday party for children. I, I swear to God, I just do not like him. <laughs> uh, but he has found discrepancies in Hickson's story. So Hickson, he took a polygraph exam, as we talked about, and, uh, Klaus, Why would he defecate on a kid's birthday he's party? He's just a fucking piece of shit. <laughs> he but, is. He is a giant. No, he's like a garbage heap. Honestly, that's that's the way I describe the man. Yeah, just if any. Here's the problem with him. If he has a, if he doesn't believe you, okay, that's mm-hmm. fine. But he will make up lies. He will yeah. make up stories. He will. Oh pay no, I know. We've talked about him on the show yeah. numerous times. I just was enthralled with the very specific reference in to a children's birthday in 1984 outside of Tallahassee <laughs> he shit on a child's birthday present and I just now I his expanded name, on that his name is Brent Hand that's right he can be found <laughs> that's right he said that the the guy who took the administered this polygraph to Hickson was inexperienced and then Hickson refused to take another polygraph test well I would tell him to go fuck himself too and he concluded the case was a hoax based on mainly this i know we're, we're shitting on class but rob do you what's your your opinion on him you know to to, to tell everyone you know kind of his besides story. besides a trash heap you're right <laughs> uh my main problem with philip class is that he looks at the witness before he looks at the events and uh if you're going to 
come to that approach, you're never you're never going to find anything compelling. Not not to say that you ultimately have to come away believing whatever they're saying, but if you're going to attack the witness straight up front, then uh, that's not really objective investigation right, in my mind. He he lies about people, and as soon oh, as yeah. you do that, you have just shot yourself in the foot. There's no reason for for that. He he was on on you know nightly news and before cursing at people because they they called him out on his lies you know that was in the travis walton story you know he was a big big hater of of travis walton oh yeah and i mean he even offered uh one of the guys on the logging crew like ten thousand dollars to lock to say lie. it didn't happen and the guy is yeah. like no i'm not gonna do that he's right, like you know, right, this thing was so huge it was you know bigger than a walmart <laughs> you know so it's 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 just unfortunate that people are so locked into a way of thinking that they will lie to make their their way work he's the same as a flat earther if the the proof isn't there then you just make up your own proof and you you put your fingers in your ears and you go la 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 you tell your own truth brent i always tell the truth my truth (laughs) your truth (laughs) like these guys were drunk so (laughs) <laughs> Moving on, there is another skeptical investigator uh, who's taking a look at this. I, I'm pretty familiar with this guy from from other skeptic. Well, think about where he comes from. Joe Nickel. Mm. Uh, he wrote that Hickson's behavior was questionable and that he altered or embellished his story when later appearing on television shows. We talked about that. Right. He speculated that Hickson may have fantasized the encounter with aliens during a waking dream state, adding that Parker's uh, corroboration of the tale was likely due to suggestibility, since he told police that he had you know, passed out, like we talked about earlier, and he failed to regain consciousness until it was over. He was just younger and impressionable, and he went along with whatever Hickson said. Well, kind of what he uh, said. at the same time, too... Uh, and and this is probably a strike against Calvin. He said years later that he didn't pass out. Right. He was right, just yeah. motionless. He he was he could see everything that was happening. And that, it's just that's what I was saying move. earlier. Like if yeah. you go listen to interviews with him today, he talks about something that was sort of floating over his head, and he said it was like an MRI machine. Now I didn't know what an MRI MRI was back then, right. but later on I figured it out, and it was about the size of a a deck of cards. And mm-hmm. um, like he tells this whole fantastic story, whereas before, that's because as time went on, he remembered it. I t- you know, hey, or post regression. There you go. Yeah. Or just you know, memories. Memories come flooding. I'm I'm uh-huh. playing devil's advocate here. There's al- also others. You know, the operator. The dr- uh, there was a railroad drawbridge close by. He said he didn't see any lights, and he was on the entire time of the incident. Others though did say they saw lights uh the night before there was a lot of lights seen similarly in louisiana and jackson county police have said that they had calls of other independent sightings of lights in the area <sighs> breaking it down rob do you believe this story do you not believe what's what's your over under on this where are you sitting at uh, i think they experienced something uh to to what level that is i don't know just because uh, the nature of the story, yeah, it has changed. Um, if you look at the regression sessions with uh, Charles Hickson um, in 1976, after all this has gone down, you don't get a lot of deep insight from it. Right. At, at times, it sounds like he's he 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 doesn't have the language to describe what he's seeing, almost. And there are certain messages in in these later experiences that he has 
that kind of get dumbed down in the regression sessions, which kind of makes you think, well, you know, he's feeding into a certain fantasy, which I kind of think he was. Mm-hmm. And uh, the co-author of uh, UFO Contact at Pascagoula, his name was uh, William Mendez, didn't put a lot of stock into his later experiences he thought this was like a fantasy to help him feel better about what he had actually experienced yeah so like a a a mental coping mechanism yeah someone had an interesting factoid about the guy that was working the drawbridge that night they actually went out and tried to interview the guy i think it was like maybe the next night and it turns out that he was sleeping at the post and that was pretty (laughs) normal for him right yeah it's it's a convenient cover he probably would have been really the only eyewitness that would have seen that. But there was actually on October 7th, and this occurred, uh, it was about 80 miles north of Pascagoula in uh, a place called Petal, Mississippi. Mm-hmm. This uh, constable, his name was uh, Charles Delk. He was at home. He was watching Columbo. Now, <laughs> he gets a call from the sheriff's department saying this woman has seen a UFO and he he had been getting calls, you know, nonstop about people seeing UFOs. And every time he went to go investigate the damn thing, they would always leave. They were never there. They never mm-hmm. stuck around. Uh, so damn it. Just like a UFO. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so he's like, no, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm watching Columbo. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to bother. I'm not going to investigate it. So <laughs> this dispatcher calls back again and says, listen, this woman is really frightened. Can you just go take care of it? So he, he drives out. It's about 830 at night. And, uh, of course, the UFO's gone. You know, calms the woman down and everything. And um, he's headed back. He's he's grumpy. He missed the last part of Columbo. Right. So can you blame the guy? Yeah. There's uh, no VCR. <laughs> no. There's no DVR yeah. at this point. It turns no. out, though, Columbo figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> it always does. Always does. <laughs> so... Uh, Basically, Delk's driving down the road and he ends up seeing the object. And it's this kind of globe-like object that has this, what he describes as an antenna coming out of the top of it. It's flying slowly over a group of trees and he follows this thing for miles. Now, at a certain point, it kind of rests over a uh, telephone line and it shoots out these blue jets of fire and then it just keeps moving on and uh shortly uh before it moves on delk's car just completely shuts off and Which is something uh he's, you hear about a lot in in cases like this yeah ever since from like 1957 when it really started onward uh that's you know it's a common motif that mm-hmm. cars fail around ufos and He's sitting there for a while, maybe like five minutes, and then the car starts back up. He uh, gets back in. He pursues the thing a little more, a little further. Like he catches up with it after four or five miles. Balls of steel. (laughs) Oh yeah, he ain't stopping. He's he's tired of these damn calls. He's gonna go put a stop. Tired of these goddamn UFOs. I'm gonna take care of this once and for all. (laughs) That's right. And he just basically watches it sail and, and take off. And uh, it, it, that's an interesting case, you know, a few days before right. the, the Pascagoula event. The bizarre part about that tie-in to the, to the Pascagoula. Pascagoula. Pascagoula event is that uh, both Hickson and Parker reported those strange floating creatures that had elephant-like skin uh, having the face of Peter Falk. 
With one eye winking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it all ties together. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, there was also a gentleman uh, named Larry Booth, uh, who on the uh, night of October 11th actually witnessed a strange hovering object over telephone lines from his uh, front door window. Uh, and he watched that. Uh, it had a red light on it that would make like a clockwise motion. He tried to call for his wife uh, to come and see it, and it moved off as he did. There was also uh, a report. It's a report from a little kid. From the mouth of babes. Around Pascagoula, there's this kid who talks about how on the same night he interacted with these really strange-looking individuals with what he called gray skin oh that's interesting yeah so you kind of have that little tie in there um i there was a lot going on in 73 to me i, I think something happened to these guys there to me I'm, I'm convinced that something happened to these guys i think they interacted with something there are some people suggesting that maybe it was a an mk ultra type project you know spearheaded by the government which is yeah. like a new angle which uh like uh, military abductions have become kind of big in the UFO community. Yeah, uh, and sadly enough, very believable. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in in some cases, yeah, I would I would say so. In this case, I just I don't think that it was a military abduction just because, uh, given the fact that these things apparently floated. Right. I yeah. I don't know how you replicate that. I don't know how you replicate the thing with the eye unless you've got some pretty cool mind altering drugs, which I just don't know enough about. And I, I also think that MK Ultra is kind of this, you know, uh, scapegoat for anything it that may just, involve mind yeah. alteration. Yeah, it, it is. It is just a term that's used for for everything you ever watched Columbo <laughs> you ever watched Columbo on DMT <laughs> I, I don't have Rick Strassman you know on speed dial man so no I never <laughs> son of a bitch good John what do you think oh where do I start um well I mean after the two cases of bush light that they went through um, Bush lights like water, so that it, it, it doesn't even count. <laughs> yeah, um. <laughs> a '67 Bel Air drives up, and no, I, I, listen, I don't. I we've talked about a lot of cases on this show, some of which seem more believable than others, some of which have have uh, have folks that, as I mentioned before, really buy into what they're saying. Uh, this is one I just don't believe. I don't I don't think there was any kind of weirdness. I don't know. I don't know if 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 there was I, I don't even know where to go with that. Like I don't think if the government was doing weird stuff, I don't think it happened to them. I don't think there was a UFO. I don't really think anything happened. I just think they're full of it. And I, I think that if, if I had to guess, uh, I, I think that it, maybe it was initially it was initially pushed forward by by Hickson. Because he was the one that obviously craved the spotlight and was talking about it and out there and writing books, and that perhaps Parker just came in later um, because, like, well, why not? My name's attached to this thing. I I'm just not a buyer on this story. John, let me ask you a question. Sure. Um, uh, is there any case that you could point to that you think, uh, in terms of alien abduction, that you think is believable? 
Believable, yes. I, as I, I've, say, I've said on the show numerous times, Barney and Betty Hill is one that I ended with. It's very believable that they believe so that something happened. I mm-hmm. th- and I do think that people have been abducted before. I just think they were abducted by humans and mm-hmm. that it's a really good, you know, it's kind of, it, it goes back to the old um, uh, disinformation with uh, Paul Benowitz. He wants aliens, give him aliens. You know, mm. uh, I, I, and, and, and so I think that the government, my, my firm belief in this overarching topic is that aliens do exist and that they have not been here. So whenever we do one of these, it's more examining what happened and what could it have been in my mind that wasn't aliens. Now, I look forward to the day that we examine one of these and I go, holy shit, maybe they have. I haven't, I haven't looked at one yet that's made me feel that way. But I've certainly looked at some that had much more believable details than this. I look at this one and, you know, I'm I'm not an expert. Um, experts have looked into it, you know, and they, they've said that they you're a scientist. That's right. They they felt that these people were were telling the truth. And I, I'm I'm like, Rob, I believe something did happen. I don't know how far that goes. And I think that people do, uh, you know, elaborate and change stories over time. That doesn't take away, in my mind, at least from if something really happened to them. The fact that there's so many other people that at that time saw things and 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 had similar, you know, not exactly encounters, but things, it, it just makes me think something really did happen. Uh, what that was, I don't know. What do you guys think, Hysteria Nation? How can they tell us, John? I would go to our Facebook discussion group, Hysteria Nation. Just That's get right. on Facebook, search Hysteria Nation. Also, while you're on Facebook, you can go to facebook.com slash hysteria51pod. That's our normal page. You can find us on Twitter at hysteria51pod. We're on Instagram, Patreon, patreon.com slash hysteria51. You can find extra episodes up all nights, lots of things. You can sniff John for $30. It's worth every penny. Don't forget that. And... <laughs> You can hear yourself on the show. You can leave us a voicemail. How do they do that? 773-669-7277. That's the phone number again. 773-669-7277. And huge thank you, Rob Christofferson. Rob, how can everyone find you? Find your show. What's what's the rundown? What's the deets? Give us 411. Oh, absolutely. Uh, it, it has been a huge honor. Thank you again for having me on. It's nice uh, to have someone on here that isn't an ass clown like my, my co-host, <laughs> so I thank you very much. <laughs> I uh, might, that's, that's, that's I might be hunch. an ass, and I might be a clown. I didn't say no talent. I would clown. push back on ass clown together. <laughs> it's hyphenated. It's uh, Yeah, I can understand. You know, it, it, it puts you in a box that you don't want to be in. Yeah. Yeah, completely paints understand. Paints him into it. <laughs> and no one puts baby in a corner. <laughs> nobody, nobody ever. So uh, we are available on every single platform that you listen to podcasts on. Uh, go search our strange skies. You're going to find us Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're we're on the gram. Yeah. So <laughs> so uh, just search uh, our our strange skies. Uh, you, you'll find us there. If you want to fax me, I'll get it. I'll get a fax at some point. Don't worry. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the show. We, we really appreciate it. I actually didn't appreciate it at all. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's okay. Well, um, I don't appreciate you, C-Bot. So no one does, and that's, that's okay. <laughs> so with that said, I've been Brent. I've been Rob. I've been John. He's been Conspiracy Bot. Stay woke, meet sex. It was terrible. It was just terrible. I'll never get over it as long as I live. That's it for another edition of Hysteria 51. 
John and Brent will be back next week with yet more of the unexplained, the unexplored and the unheard of. Oh, if it's unheard of, how will they know about it? Anyway, if you want to suggest a topic, give us your thoughts or just make fun of Conspiracy Bot, that's my favourite. Join us in our Facebook discussion group, Hysteria Nation. Just log on to Facebook and search Hysteria Nation. Or you can always tweet us at Hysteria51Pod. You've been listening to a fourth-hand joint.